to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. All stations, this is Crystal Palace. Stand by for a message from Brass Hat. And Brass Hat, I be. All right. Another week, another disaster as the train wreck of the Biden administration continues. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What matters is November and the fact we got to actually uh, vote. Now, before we get started, you know, I like to... You know, expound upon some of our listeners around the world, and I'd like to welcome our listeners in South Korea. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. You people in South Korea have got a whole serious problem, and you've had for many decades, mainly North Korea. My listeners here in the United States and around the world, do you remember when Donald Trump was being accused of, he's got to start a war with North Korea, all the hand-raining and all the other nonsense that the liberals put out there. You remember that? Yet it didn't happen. As a matter of fact, because President Trump met with Kim, I believe the first one was in Singapore. And then they met again at the DMZ. My friends, this president, this fake, fraud, bumbling fool in the White House, has no foreign policy. None. It's weak. And because it's weak, it's made the world a whole lot more dangerous. It's true. I see uh, on our listeners in Canada, remember guys in Canada, remember this. Um, with Kevin Johnson's show, I think the Canadian government has come down really hard on him because Kevin will, was not going to roll over and put up with the nonsense when it comes to censorship. He is Canada's most censored man. And again, that's why sometimes some of Kevin's shows that we put here on CRN are dated between, you know, are backdated. Well, not backdated. They're, they're older shows. I'm trying to get Kevin to come to CRN so he could, brought, he could do his show, send it to me. I'll upload it here in the United States. Does that get him around Canada's censorship laws? I don't know. I do not know. But, let you know that's what's really going on. But I want to thank my Canadian listeners for tuning in. And if you could, get hold of Kevin. Tell him. I mean, I put out the message to him. I haven't, got, I haven't heard back from him yet, so I don't know what's happening. And we're back in Ireland again. Welcome, Irishmen. We're Irishmen. We're Irishmen. Yes. You know why God created whiskey? Yeah, to keep the Irish from taking over the world. There you go. We have listeners in Spain. Welcome. 
welcome. Our listeners in the Netherlands continue to be pretty steady. Getting some more listeners in Italy. Listeners in Germany, welcome. The UK, they're starting to come back a little bit. Listeners in Singapore. You see, it seems to me Singapore could be a player. And not and, and, and not maybe not a major player, but like a major minor player in the geopolitics of what's going on in Singapore. That's just my guess. And Australia's slowly coming back. Welcome uh, listeners in France and Romania. And that's about all I've got so far from what I can see. I want to say thanks, of course, all our listeners here in the United States. Who is the number one state for downloads? It's, of course, the great state of Texas, the Lone Star State. You know, I'll tell you what I like about Texas. And they really have pride in their state. You don't believe me. I'm going to tell you something. A few years back when I was down there visiting my dad uh, on the interstate. And you got the overpasses. you got the pylons that hold up the overpasses. They got Stanton Concrete, the Lone Star of Texas. Now that, my friends, is cool. We've got more listeners in New York than we've ever had before. Ohio, Illinois, Michigan. Michigan, boy, I'll tell you, that Governor Witt, do you remember when Wretched Gretchen, your governor, was locking down the entire state except for her husband when they went out on the boat? Remember that? That's liberal privilege. Rules for thee, but not for me. Yeah, she needs to go. Florida. Florida is interesting, politically. California. You know, you got people. It's so bad in California, you actually have people leaving California to go to Mexico. That's how bad it is in California. And you poor bastards that just can't get out of there, you can't afford to, because every time you try to put some money away, the state's taxing you into oblivion. Said, here, bend over. You're not leaving. Washington State. Of course, the free state of Arizona. Indiana. Utah. You know, we didn't, we're starting to get a bigger listener audience in Utah. We used to be on KYAH, but they were they, they charged us too much. And we said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to pay your outrageous prices. And, and that, we weren't getting the return on our buck like we wanted to. Arkansas, very good. North Carolina, like North Carolina. I like Arkansas, too. Actually, have family in Arkansas. New Jersey, and and. Watch New Jersey. It's because it, it, usually it's a reliable Democrat state. Not so much this time around. Watch that one. Maryland. Yeah. Glad to see some people there in Biden land. Kentucky and Colorado. Yes. What else we got here? Minnesota, an interesting state also. Idaho. Idaho, Montana, you guys have got to keep those liberals under control. 
Remind them of why they left California to come to your state. Remind them that it's their poor voting habits that created the mess in California. In fact, if you're a liberal and you left California, you should be sent back to live with what you created. Well, it's true. We got our listeners of Pennsylvania, Mississippi. I, I like Mississippi quite a bit. Been there a couple times. I like it. Tennessee, also a free state. Missouri. Or Missouri. But I like Missouri. Good state. Our good friend Terry lives there. Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma. I don't like their tollway system around Oklahoma City because it's ridiculous. But I like the state quite a bit. Iowa, good farmers, good people. Oregon, we got two listeners in Oregon. You are not alone, my friends. Don't let people think that you are. If you're a conservative, you would think that you are in the minority, that you're alone. The mainstream media wants to pound that in your head. You are not. Virginia, Old Dominion, a great state there. I like Virginia. Northern Virginia has turned blue. And that's because of all the bureaucrats that, you know, work in D.C. You know, the world needs more bureaucrats like we need another hole in our heads. Okay? That's all I got to say about that. Connecticut, I believe that's our warlord there. I believe we have a warlord there. He listens. See, glad to see him back. Georgia, keep fighting. Been to Louisiana a couple times, not a bad place. New Mexico, I like New Mexico. We need more listeners there. West Virginia, by God. I like West Virginia, another beautiful state. It is, it's true. It's absolutely true. And that's about all I've got on my list there. So, oh, okay, you want to know about Canada? Okay, I'll tell you what we got in Canada. In order of listeners and downloads, we have Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, and British Columbia. You know, I find it interesting that most of our listeners are in Western Canada because that is where the freedom-loving Canadians actually live. And that is where our friend Kevin Johnson is from. I think he's out of um, British Columbia, I believe. I could be wrong. It's either, it's either British Columbia or Alberta. I, I can't remember which one. All right. Enough. Can't take it anymore. You know, I want to talk to you today about discrete urban weapons that you probably have never thought about. Fabian Omar, very good. You know, you get some good stuff from the organic prepper. But I found it, and I thought, you know what? My listeners around the planet could use this because most people around the planet live in countries that have gun control. Not that it stops criminals or terrorists, but it stops law-abiding citizens. Prove me wrong. So... We must be ready to fight violence with violence if necessary. Because some of you know the number one rule is in survival, 
is not being there if you can help it. Doesn't always happen that way, but there you go. So rule number two is you have to be prepared to use violence. You should be practicing the martial arts, combat, tactical shooting if you can, and there's other self-defense techniques. Look, the world is dangerous. A lot of evil out there. Even when things are normal. By the way, if you live in the United States and Canada, we, 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 we live in relatively peaceful countries. The problem is the rest of the world is not so peaceful. We're the anomaly. Think of our planet and how many armed conflicts there are going on around the planet. And mind you this, Ronald Reagan said it best. He said the United States is the last stand for hope and freedom. Because if we fall, there's nowhere else to run to. Nowhere else to go, my friends. Wisdom, right there. Now, Omar is writing this. So when I use the word I, it does not refer to me. John Jeffers, your beloved host. I know. Now, there's nothing wrong because, well, there's nothing wrong if you have to run. Running and protecting yourself is not a bad plan. Because the fact is, if you get hurt or wounded, it ain't going to be good. Especially if you're in a grid-down situation. But like I said, you have to be able to learn... If you don't know how to fight, you need to learn to fight. It's okay to get hit. Yeah, it hurts. So what? All pain tells you is that, yeah, it hurts, and you're still you're still able to register it, so you're okay. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, okay. Now, sometimes violence can be unavoidable, and we can only focus on what we can we can control, and that's ourselves. The rest is not really up to us. The world is dangerous, lots of evil. And w think of the way things are normally. Imagine, if you will, what it would be like if you're in the shit hits the fan scenario. But that doesn't mean we should employ violence in all violent situations. Knowing when it's necessary is critical. It comes with studying violence and training. It's sort of a catch-22. But it's important to understand that the consequences of violence are, more often than not, worse and far-reaching than nonviolent options. I'm not saying bend over and take it up the ass. You have to know what your options are. Now, besides potential consequences, there's always going to be some risk involved in any direct engagement. We know how a situation starts, but can't say how it's going to end, ever. We don't. 
Surviving is the goal. Winning is for the ring. So this leads to rule number three. Violence should be the last resort. Even if we're ready to deal with it, we should do everything in our power to detect, avoid, defuse, de-escalate, or escape. I don't like the idea of de-escalate, and I'll tell you why. Because at that point, you're directly involved. And if you're willing to de-escalate, that means you're willing to compromise. There are some situations you cannot compromise in. So, sometimes violence comes to us. And that's when the enemy picks the time and the place. Right there. When the enemy picks the time and the place, you're already behind the eight ball. So that's when weapons and training can be an asset. It's reassuring to know that you can at least handle yourself to some level if things go sideways. Now, firearms top most prepper list. I mean, I mean firearms top most prepper list. It's the number one weapon of choice for shit. It's the fans. Rifles and pistols are great to have at any time. And certainly more if the world goes Mad Max, right? And I like shooting and competing as much as anyone else. I do. In fact, I, before my, my daughter went back to Europe, I took her and her boyfriend, who lives in Portugal, never fired a gun in his life, much less held one, took him shooting for the first time. And he did okay. Not bad. He was a little intimidated, as most people are the first time. We went to the shooting range. I had my daughter doing Mozambique drills. And then I put her under the uh, time, 30 and 20 seconds. Uh, if you're not familiar with the uh, Mozambique drills, sometimes they're called two-in-ones. Two, 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 two to the center mass, one to the head. So I had her doing those. And... I told her next thing, your next training is going to be doing the Mozambique drills, but, but you're going to be doing magazine exchange. So she was like, all right. I, yeah, she says, I hate magazine exchanges. I said, everybody does. She, I said, but life is in Hollywood where we have unending magazines that never have to be exchanged. So I told her, I said, you'll be doing next time you come home, we're going to be doing uh, a Mozambique drill, magazine exchange, Mozambique drill. Uh, we'll do that a few times, then I'm going to put you under the clock again. So, so <laughs> she's not, she's not, she likes to stand and plink away, and I, we all like to do that, but that's not the real world. And somebody's saying, well, you know, what are you doing? Well, I'm training her to be a gunfighter. Because if I can teach her, she can teach her kids, etc., etc., etc. So, and and I gotta tell you, her boyfriend loved shooting. So that's another time, another story. Let's get back to it. Now there are intermediate intermediary levels of shit hits the fan to prepare for. Now when handguns aren't a viable option or the most appropriate for a situation, urban weapons can provide a tactical advantage for personal protection and self-defense. So by carrying these weapons and being efficient at using them and also knowing about them, knowing about them and how they work, we can improve the odds of avoiding, deflecting, or neutralizing these weapons in case they get used against us. As you all know, I'm a retired deputy sheriff. Um, I'm trying to... I, uh, a couple of things you need to be aware of. 
And here's the skinny of urban weapons conduct. And take note if carrying one of these or others in your plans. One, you got to beware of the rules of the streets. Study the law, don't flaunt, practice constantly, and keep the concept of deterrence always in mind. Deterrence. Let's get with that first. Now, weapons are items designed to inflict physical body damage or an act or to act as deterrence to discourage someone from doing something bad or violent against us. So you need to know about deterrence, or at least as a mental preparation, all right? You've got to know the law. Federal, state, municipal. Very important for obvious reasons. Governments and authorities are becoming more and more strict, even though public safety has been decaying with the passing of time, as we all are all aware of. So just don't just do a quick first page on what's allowed or not in your town. These, cha- these things change all the time, frequently without notice. Go deeper. Check what is being practiced out there and what the authorities will to- allow, tolerate, or enforce. You may be surprised that some items forbidden by legislation are not actually enforced and vice versa. I'm not telling you to carry this or that. Just wise up. Think about it. In the end, if something happens and you're brought to justice, it will be taken by the letter of the law no matter what the street practice. So, street fighting rules. Very simple. The only thing to know about street fighting and urban violence in general is that there are no rules. You fight to win. Everything is game to incapacitate your opponent, temporarily or definitely, and escape intact. Know that because your opponent already does. you got to be gray. And perhaps 99% of the situations in life, being discreet, restrained, and low-key is a good thing. When we're carrying self-defense weapon, this is even more important. Practice beforehand. Constant practice of carrying, deploying, and operating is advisable. That's no different than firearms or any other weapons, really. The goal is to become as smooth, as quick, and as efficient as possible. Surprise and efficiency are big factors in a combat. And it's possible to revert the situation by surprising an attacker and being skilled. And this takes practice, practice, and more practice. Do some testing, too. See if it will hold and perform or break on the first strike. The worst thing to learn is when you actually need it. And you know Murphy's Law will be in effect at that point. So, let me just give you like a primer. The idea of turning everyday, ubiquitous, unsuspected items into force multipliers. So creativity and improvisation play a big role. I've had too much coffee today. I've had over my three cups. But if... Deployed efficiently and timely, these improvised urban weapons can help achieve the ultimate goal of buying time and distance from an attacker or to escape or get us out of a dangerous situation. So first item is a big lighter. My friends, listen to this. I got this tip from a friend who works as a bouncer in a downtown club where the lowlife gather. He applied a chokehold on a guy who had just slapped someone on the dance floor. The fellow lit a bick on his firearm to break the grip. Now he's 6'2", strong as a bull, but the intense burning made him back off instantly. Took him a few seconds to realize what the hell was, you know, that was, 
Meanwhile, that guy ran away. It's effective over fabric as well, but you know the potential implications, so beware. If you set somebody's clothes on fire, there's a possibility you're, it's not going to end good for you. Now, super glue. I know. I saw this one myself during a construction job. I was supervising here. This is Omar talking. A guy stopped two co-workers who attacked him with using a tube of super glue. There was an argument. One of the guys pulled a small blade, and this fellow gushed super glue all over him. It was a mess, but the result was immediate. Now, this is a tricky one to pull out, but when I thought about it, I saw the potential and some advantages. One, super glue is easy to find. Two, it's above suspicion. Three, it's perhaps the last thing someone, police or not, would think is being carried as a weapon. Number four, it's unexpected. Number five, it's very effective and quick and incapacitating attackers without being fatal, which may come in handy if the case is brought to justice. As always, there are some cons. It's not as easy or fast to deploy. It must also be used in a way so we don't worsen our own situation by gluing ourselves to our attacker or something else. But I can imagine this being used stealthily in some close body situations, though with the attacker not realizing it until he's stuck. Yeah, pretty good. Padlock. What is the hell? I don't care. God, I hate that. All right, padlock. A small, inconspicuous, legal, heavy, and powerful. Now, we've seen these padlocks being used as weapons for ages. You tie it to a bandana, a lanyard, or even a t-shirt to become a slingshot with tremendous reach and blunt force. I'm thinking more mace-like than slingshot. Now, square types have sharp and pointy edges, making them dangerous and effective and used as a swinging weapon, like a mace. Hey, Antifa uses this. We've seen it. Nothing new here, my friends. And it can be thrown into someone to gain a few precious seconds to allow an escape. Padlocks and chains have been used by urban cyclists for decades, meaning it's time and street tested. A hefty lanyard can replace a bandana. And the cons, it's bulk and weight, mostly. Here's something that we've seen in Hollywood all the time. Aerosol, hairspray, and others. How about a cork puller, my friends? corkscrew now you could push it in be like a, a corkscrew like in between your knuckles like put it right in here so it would look something like this like that every time you hit you're jabbing you're, you're punching you're puncturing skin but and by the way ah, that's a story for another time I was going to tell you a true story, but don't worry about that. How about an umbrella? The umbrella is touted in many prepping circles as an effective weapon. And you've seen many videos on the internet showing people swinging an umbrella against attackers. Though it's not really an effective weapon to inflict serious damage nor incapacitate a stronger opponent or attacker, unless you can poke the person's eye or other soft parts with precision. And this is mostly movie stuff, I can assure you. Alcohol. Now, the pandemic has turned carrying a bottle of alcohol into a common thing. No one would think anything of someone carrying it everywhere, not even in restaurants or on public transportation, except perhaps on airplanes, but you're unlikely to need to defend yourself offline anyway. Unlikely, not, won't. 
Now you can use it directly if you can splash into someone's eyes or somehow or threaten with fire. My friends, if you throw alcohol on somebody and you light them on fire, you better be able to articulate why you use deadly force. Now people fear flames and fire for a good reason. They burn! Now there's a famous video out there of a guy filling the gas tank at the gas station. A van with thugs comes by and when they're about to go down and rob him he calmly pulls the nozzle and soaks them and the van with gasoline. Of course they run away immediately. Now we're entering the legal gray zone. Let's do this. We're going to talk about some things that are recognized as weapons even by the law. These are more efficient for incapacitating an opponent by inflicting damage or at least changing his mind. The telescopic steel baton, easy to conceal, deploy, highly effective. I carried one for many years. Never, never had to hit somebody with it. Did have to break some windows with it. That's about it. All right. If you're going to use a telescopic steel baton, which is nothing but a steel rod, if you're going to hit your attacker, bear in mind, do not swing it at the head. That could be considered deadly force. Instead, use it to whack out his knees, elbows, arms, those kind of things. Brass knuckles, do I need to say anything more? Pepper spray, all right. Pepper spray is good. Um, I, give it to my, I gave it to my wife and my daughter to carry, especially my daughter when she was going to college and whatnot. The problem with pepper spray, and it's not with all of it, you're gonna have to check the ingredients. Scoville heat units, the higher it is, the more it's going to burn. What you're looking for is what is the carrier agent. This is where it gets tricky, my friends. There are many videos out there. Somebody gets sprayed with pepper spray, and the carrier agent that carries the oleo capsicum, which is the pepper in the pepper spray, is alcohol. Not all of them carry that. So you if you don't know and you spray somebody down the video is the guy's smoking you're smoking or the guy gets tasered guess what happens he bursts into flames because of the alcohol be careful with that uh, a knife in close quarters combat my friends knives can be deadlier than a handgun or other firearm it's easier and quieter to bring into action, and this makes a huge difference. And there's just too much that can be said about knives, from size to type of blade, not to mention the plethora of attack and defense techniques. So, I mean, there's just so much of this. Just know it's messy and risky. If you pull a knife on an attacker and he or she doesn't change his mind and turn away, you better be ready to use it effectively. There's always the real risk of getting it taken 
from and used against us too. True story, by the way. Many years ago, I, uh, we heard the story of a particular state trooper, I will not use his name, did a traffic stop on the interstate. The guy was a martial artist, that kind of thing. He practiced the martial arts and all that. And uh, did the traffic stop. Guy gets out of the car. Now, now bear in mind, the video's rolling on the squad car. Guy gets out of the car, whips out a, uh, a butterfly knife. State trooper, against all policy and procedure, says, Oh, you want a knife fight. <coughs> and this is true. Whips out his knife. And they proceed to have a knife fight on the side of the interstate between the squad and the suspect's car. Uh, it didn't last long. I, uh, from what I've heard... I've heard, and that's all I'm going to say, I've heard, is that uh, the driver of the vehicle realized, oh no, this is not going the way he thought, and stopped. The trooper, however, did get into some uh, trouble, simply because knife fighting is not on the state police uh, policy and procedures dues <laughs> so just just a, a story that's all it is just a story so there you go and that's really about what now the only thing I can say about knives where the hell is Don Lowry when I need him Don loves to collect knives don't ask me why he's probably a serial killer in a previous life I don't know um, you have choice. You have you have two choices: either a fixed blade or a folding blade. I have this one. Carried this for many years in my boot. Never had to use it. Well, that's not true. I did use it on a suicide victim. Got there just as he was dangling, and he, you know, have you ever tried to lift dead weight? And they're just hanging there. Yeah, you got to lift him up and try to cut him down at the same time. You really need two people. So, just telling you how that worked out. There are other discrete carry options out there. You know, when I was in the Army, the uh, we were discussing booby traps. You, you get a class on that, as you should. And it was during basic training. And... Um, the sergeant, I remember I remember what the sergeant said. Sergeant Voreshko, I remember him. And if you're in basic training, you have a tendency to remember your drill sergeant's names for the rest of your life. Sergeant Voreshko. Uh, knowledgeable man. Personality of a wounded crocodile. And he said, Private, just remember this. All it takes to make a booby trap is a sick mind. I remember that. That's a quote. Now, it's also true here. There are many other things. For example, if all you got is this, it can be used as a weapon. 
It's true. There are many things every day that are around you that maybe uses a weapon to, to save your life. So, there. That's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Where am I, anyways? Do I want to do this next one? Let me think here real quick. I'll save it. I'll save this one. So, my friends, there you have it. That's what we're talking about here. Sometimes we just need a break from all the political bullshit. Uh, observation. If you've been following Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, and his DUI arrest, and you notice that the, uh, for some reason the police department didn't want to release his mugshot. They don't want to release footage of the traffic stop. Again, here we go, an example of the two-tier justice system. If it was you and I, our mugshot be plastered in the newspaper, in Facebook, all over the damn place. As with the video of the traffic stop, if requested, no problem, here it is. But because it's Nancy Pelosi's husband, and they're dragging their feet and trying to obstruct what should be a public record, I've been thinking about it. And I wonder this. Could it be, and believe me, I'm not saying it is. So don't say, well, John Jeffers said this, it must be true. I don't know this to be true, but I'm thinking to myself, what is it that they're trying to hide? If it's a simple DUI crash, what's the big deal? Or perhaps... Hear me out. Was there another woman in the car with them? I don't know. What could they possibly do to stop it? What's the real reason? Now, I do know this. The official narrative has changed. Before it was Paul Pelosi allegedly blew through a stop sign or stoplight and hit another car. Now, now you're starting to hear a new narrative. The other car hit Paul Pelosi. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now don't think for a moment that Nancy Pelosi's office or intermediaries on her behalf have made phone calls and everything else. No, it is not true that the case has been dismissed. That is not true. That has not happened. But I'm just putting it out there as a example of a two-tiered justice system. Remember last episode? Had you been seeing examples of liberal privilege? Start using it. Start using it. All right. I think that's all I want to say this week. We are trying to stay cool here in the, in the Chicago metropolitan area. We have our heat index with high humidity over 100, 105 degrees. So 
Anyways, nothing new from some of you. I'd rather have the heat than the cold. That's me. I hate the cold. I don't care if it's 100, 105. I can go sit outside under a shade tree. I'll be just fine. So, with that said, as your beloved host, thank you once again for downloading our episodes, following us on Contra Radio Network, Don Kirshner, David, David Kirshner, not Don. Dave Kirshner is on his summer sabbatical because his kids are home and he can't get any quiet time to do his show. So, plus I think he's on his way to North Carolina. If you run into Dave, give him a big wet sloppy kiss for me. If you see him. In the meantime, I think uh, uh, Anthony Williams the third on his show, the Independent Mouth. I think he's on sabbatical too for right now. You know what you don't understand sometimes. We do these shows for you, and at some point, even we burn out. We need a break. So, that's where we're at. In the meantime, Mark, I'm the prepper guy, myself, and some others. The Von Weehunten, for example. We will continue to put shows out. Tell your friends. When people say, hey, where did you hear that? Tell them. It's okay. All right, until next time, I'm John Jeffers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, unless something bizarre happens, which every day in this country, who the hell knows? I'm so deeply disappointed watching the disintegration of my of my republic going to hell. I sure as hell didn't, wasn't in the military for this crap, that's for sure. Until next time, have an American day. Prep today. Live tomorrow, no problems. All right, talk to them.